joyful we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above. Melts the clouds of sin and sadness. Thank you for joining us for this program from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our program with others. Now, we take you to the service of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Good morning once again. Thank you so much for the way you have sung out this morning and the way you've participated in our worship service uh, as a church family. It's always encouraging to sing and to pray with each other, to partake of communion with one another, and also to study together. So I want to ask you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. This morning, as we begin uh, studying from the Word of God in this period of worship, as we continue our thoughts uh, in our series, at the end of this lesson, we'll be at the halfway point of this idea of the struggle is real. Uh, we have some, still some important conversations to have about this idea uh, that we've been working through over the last few weeks together. Uh, we, we begin this conversation, and, and I know we've repeated this a little bit, but I, but I want you to know that all these lessons, they do kind of... You know, they're kind of like building blocks. We, we understand that we face uh, different challenges than we did a couple of generations ago as Christians in America. And so how do we face those struggles when the struggle is real, when there's not really been the struggle towards Christianity um, like there is now in our country? How do we handle that? How, how do we respond to areas of hostility that we try to live in a certain way, we try to live in truth, we try to live in Jesus, and the society around us, they, they live separate from that, they live away from that. These passages that we read this morning from the book of Ephesians very much talks about that and, and just tells us that the further people get away from God, the more uh, different, is not even really the right word, but the more kind of anti-God their life is going to become in so many different ways. And that's going to bring pressure on us as Christians. So how do we live in this Christian walk when, when things that we believe and feel very, uh, very firmly in get challenged by the society that's around us? And so we're trying to answer that. And each one of these lessons that we're uh, working through together kind of build off of each other into the next step. But what we've talked about so far and what we're going to talk about today is the first thing I must do is I must stand firm. I must say that I am a child of God, and when I became a child of God, I made a commitment to Jesus to live in the way of Jesus, to let Him reign in me. All of our songs this morning have been in that idea that I am surrendering Jesus my life from, from, the, from after communion, from that song on. That is what we've been singing. That's what we've been trying to get our minds in the, in the direction of this morning as we open up God's Word and talk about it a little bit deeper. But we must stand in Jesus. The next thing we need to understand is that the struggle is spiritual. Uh, the people that are different from us, that are living in a different way, in a different lane, walking in a different direction, they are not our enemies. We are fighting for them, not against them. We are fighting for their salvation. We are wanting to bring them to Jesus and let them understand that the freedom that comes from the bondage of sin when they walk in the light with Jesus. We also have to commit to holiness, is what we talked about last week. Living that life to that standard of Jesus. And we're going to kind of add that next phase into today's conversation of we just simply need to do what is right. We just simply need to do what is right. Now, I want us to look at our text together and have some conversation. So go to Ephesians chapter 4. 
And we're going to start in verse 25 here with each other. And we're going to read uh, through the beginning of chapter 1, or chapter 5, verse 1. And, and the, this chapter ends, or chapter 1, I guess, really begins. I'll get it right. Chapter 5, verse 1, has this statement. Now, this, we read the beginning and the end kind of of this section. And even though there's chapter breaks in here, when you get kind of starting in verse 17 of chapter 4 and read all the way through chapter 6 and verse 10, you're in this, this same train of thought that Paul's having, okay? So even though there's chapter breaks here and some of the things that we're going to talk about, understand this is all one train of thought on Christian living that Paul is dealing with here. But he says in this particular passage, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood, and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up according or building others up according to their needs, that they may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. Some of your Bibles here in this phrase or have this phrase as be imitators of God. The passage we read a few moments ago translated it that way. Be imitators of God. Follow God's example. I want to be honest and real as we get into this idea this morning. Understand that the idea of imitating God is a daunting task. Just like we talked about last week. We all understand that I need to be holy. I asked you a show of hands last week. I asked you this, and all of you raised your hand when, you, when I said, are we supposed to be holy? Everybody's like, yes. And I'm like, how many of you feel like you accomplished that? And only a couple of you raised your hand. It's because that idea of holiness seems so unobtainable for us. Because we look at holiness as perfection. But that's not what it is. Holiness is not just perfection. That, that, that is not what we are called to. We're called to live in the direction of Jesus, to be imitators, to follow his example. But that idea of imitating Jesus, imitating God, can seem just as daunting as being holy. Why? Because we're not perfect. None of us are. We were talking about that in class this morning, and it was a really good conversation that sometimes... One of the most challenging parts of inviting maybe friends or family or acquaintances in to visit us during a time of worship is the fear that they're not going to be as perfect as we are. Because as we've talked about before, we're really good at not just putting on our church clothes, but putting on our church face and rolling up in here like everything in our life is put together that everything's perfect, that there's nothing out of place. We want that to be the image that we portray to so many people because we don't want people sometimes to see the real challenge, the real us, the real problems that are going on in our life. So, so we put on this, this church mask so that everybody thinks that we have it all together. But the truth is, the only person that's buying into that lie probably is you when you roll in here like that. Because what I know 
is that I've got just as many problems as you, and you've got just as many problems as me. And you know what? That's okay. It's okay for us to have struggles. It's okay for us to fail. As long as it's in the process of trying to get closer to God. As long as we are staying in the light, we're going to fall, we're going to stumble, we're not going to be perfect. But as long as I'm trying to make the effort to live in the light, to be an imitator of God, I'm pursuing holiness in every way that I can. When I fall, when I stumble, when I sin, God says, hey, I'm going to forgive you. Let's get up and let's keep going. Let's keep moving in that direction. Don't, don't let this bog you down. So if you walked in here this morning and you're looking around the room and you're like, man, this is a bunch of perfect people. I feel uncomfortable. Don't feel uncomfortable because we're not perfect. We don't have it all together. As, as Riley said this morning in class, it's not like you show up and you got to go from zero to 100 on the scale of Jesus. That's not the journey. The journey is to be better today than I was yesterday. And some of those days I'm going to succeed in that. Some of those days I'm going to fail at that. Some of those success or succeeding days I'm going to take large leaps. Some days I'm barely going to crawl an inch. Some days I'm going to fall so far backwards that I'm going to have to, to take four days to get back to where I was when I started. It's okay. But as Paul talks about through this particular, and, and we could go to the book of Ephesians and really use the book of Ephesians as the overall textbook, if you will, for this entire conversation from lesson one to lesson eight because he deals with this spiritual struggle, this spiritual battle that we're in in so many different ways and in so many different kind of ideas. But what I want us to think about today is as I'm trying to live this life, as I'm trying to, to be this Christian in this world that is becoming more and more anti-Christian, the thing that I've got to do, the thing that I've got to focus on, the thing that I've got to make sure that I'm striving for is to be an imitator of Jesus. To be an imitator of God. To be an imitator of the Holy Spirit. To live by their example every single day. Now, one of the great things is as Paul says, hey, you got to live this way, he also comes along and says, I'm going to explain to you how to live this way. And that's what I love about the, the Bible. The Bible doesn't just say you've got to be this way. Now figure it out. The Bible says you've got to be this way, but let me show you how. And so we're going to talk about the let me show you how. How do I become a person that is an imitator of Jesus and of God? How do I live a life where my focus and my direction is on doing right things? To live in righteousness is another way that you may say that. Well, we're going to talk about three things right here. And Patty has told me that I've been talking way too fast here lately. So Patty, I've just got one slide for you to copy this morning. It's going to be up there the whole time. So um, we'll work through these passages as well. But this, that way, everybody, if you're taking notes, this is all you got to write down this morning. Okay, so living right. What's the first thing? There's a couple of things. Okay, actually, there's a lot of things in our scripture that we've read together from all three readings. I'm going to focus on three of them because we don't have time to focus on more than that this morning. Um, although you know that going preaching for a while is something that I can do, but I'm not going to do that to you this morning. We're going to talk about three things because three points is the only way you can have a scriptural sermon. So, point number one, speak truthfully and encouraging. Speak truthfully and encouraging. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, actually a couple of different verses here in this particular idea. He says, and we just read these, we'll read them again. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. Now, put off falsehood. 
I think falls right in the line with what we're talking about, that church mask. Put it off. Okay? Just be real. Just be real. And speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. And then the next kind of idea of our, of our talk and our speech here comes from verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their need, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, we're going to talk about both of these ideas here uh, together. So the first idea here is we need to speak truthfully to each other. And, and the first idea that comes along there is the idea of let's not be liars, all right? Let's, let's not be liars. Let's not try to boost our own image up by talking about ourselves in a way that's not true. Let's, let's not, you know, let's not have credentials that we don't really have when we're in conversation. Let's not act like we know more than we know. Let's just be truthful people. That whether it's, it's a, a hard truth or a soft truth, we're committed to sharing truth in every avenue of our life. But we also know that sometimes that's difficult, right? Because we know as we take a stand for Jesus, as we're trying to live in holiness, we are going to come up onto a moment where we're going to have to live and share truth, that truth being a standard of Jesus in the life that he's called us to, and that truth is going to hurt when I tell it, isn't it? That truth that I share could put a wedge in a relationship. It could point out a wrong that someone's doing, not in a way of judgment, not in a way of judgment at all, just in a way of truth. We can't be scared of truth. Truth is the only thing that sets us what? The only thing that sets us free. When we choose to live a life of falsehood, when we choose... To, make a, to have a softer answer as opposed to a truthful answer, then we are allowing Satan to have control. We are allowing Satan to win. But he says, look, just, just be honest with each other and, and, and be truthful to each other. And I believe that this may be one of the hardest things for us to do at, at times in our life because we don't, we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, do we? None of us ever want to hurt anyone's feelings. Truth is never meant to hurt. Do you believe that? Truth is never meant to hurt. Truth is meant to free. Truth is meant to bring you freedom in Jesus. If I decide to tell you something and lie to you, I'm not only hurting myself, I'm hurting you as well. And that is where true hurt comes. It's from lies, it's from deceit, it's from falsehood. But in everything that you do, do it in truth. Speak of it in truth. But I also want to add to this something we've talked about over the last few weeks as well. Truth also has to be full of grace. John says that Jesus came in grace and truth. Truth is not true absent of grace, and grace is not grace absent of truth. Just because you win an argument with truth doesn't mean you have spoken truth. It may just mean that you've won an argument. And I don't want us to be a group of Christians that's all about winning arguments. I want us to be a group of Christians that is about the grace and truth of Jesus. And I have seen in my own life as I've dealt with people, and, and, and even as I have dealt with criticisms about myself from other people that were true, when those people come and offer those thoughts in truth and grace, 
I'm a lot more likely to accept that conversation than if it's just truth, I'm right, you're wrong. So let's make sure the words that we speak are of a loving, truthful, Jesus-filled conversation. But the next thing he says about this later on in this verse is do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Now, you may have the truthful thing whipped, like, yeah, I've got that. that. That's no problem in my life. But this one, I believe, is a little bit more of a challenge for some of us. It doesn't say do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. What does it say? Do not let... Okay, let's, let's try that again. I point, you speak. Ready? Do not let... Say it one more time. Do not let any unwholesome mouth, unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. You know what that word any means in Greek? Any. Any. None of it. Do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Um, I've created a habit for myself over the last several months in a habit that I'm sharing with some of you now. Uh, but on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, it started out one day a week, and then it grew to two days a week and three days. And if I'm not careful, it's most of them. Um, I enjoy going out and eat breakfast. I've not always been a breakfast, like first thing in the morning person, but um, I've kind of created a routine for myself. I take the kids to school, I go eat breakfast, and then um, I come to the office. And the reason I've kind of gotten to where I go eat breakfast, this is my excuse anyway, is um, because of the medication I take for my attention deficit disorder, breakfast is a buffer. So that by the time I get to the office, my medicine is kicked in. Like I'm, I'm focused, I'm ready to work, right? Um, some of you may say that's not truth. Uh, it may just be because I like to eat, uh, but we'll we'll go with, with my views there for a moment. I'll, I'll tell you that that's truth. I'm not lying to you. can't lie to you right after I've told you to be truthful. But one of the things that um, I love to do, uh, and it's kind of something that Blair and I have always loved to do in our marriage, is we love to people watch. Anybody else like people watch? You learn so much about people from people watching, uh, and it makes you feel so much better about yourself. Uh, when you, it's like a reality TV show live and in person. Uh, and so when you sit down at these restaurants and you just start to listen, man, the things that you learn about people that you did not know, that you did not know. And you know, most of those conversations, and I have to be careful because I know people are listening to me, most of those conversations are not wholesome. You know? When, last week, last week, all week long, do you know what was talked about and I'm going to say at every restaurant by Alabama fans all week long. You know what was talked about last week? How awful Alabama football was last the, the week the, the 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 Saturday before. Wiley, not one person gave Tennessee any credit for winning that ball game. Not one person. Tennessee didn't win. Alabama didn't get beat. Alabama beat themselves all week long, and it was all about excuses of of, well, we should have done this, and we should have done that, and they need to fire this guy, and they need to fire that guy. And it was just every table that there was a group of men. That's all they're talking about. <laughs> and it worked, didn't it? They won this week. You know, it worked. No, but here's what I, what, I, what I learned as you sit and listen to these people. And I did it too. David and I talked about it too one day. We have more fun talking about negative things than we do positive things in a group of people. Don't we? It is more fun 
to gripe and complain about problems with a group of people than it is to talk about positive things. Why is that? See, when he says unwholesome talk, he's not just talking about purity things. He's not just talking about sexual things. Because I think that we automatically go there with that word sometimes. But look at what he says. He says that it would benefit those who what? Who listen. I think it's interesting that he doesn't say those who you are talking to. He says those who are listening. Because in all these instances last week, as I'm listening to all these tables, not one person's talking to me. But what am I doing? I'm listening. And when we sit down with a group of people out in public, and we start having conversations with each other, we start griping about things at church, about this person, that person, this song leader, that song leader, this class, that class, this person in the community, that, and they're negative. We call them negative. The Bible calls them unwholesome. And there's no benefit in them. It's not benefiting you or anybody at that table, and it's definitely not benefiting anybody sitting around listening because all they're seeing you do as a child of God is say, I'm a child of God, but I'm acting like everybody else in the world. You know what that's called? It's called a hypocrite. And we're called to be better than that. He said, instead, when you sit down and start talking to people, when you start having conversations, the conversations you have should be truthful, not false, should be truthful, and should be about what? Building others up according to what? Their needs. Not your needs, but their needs. Put them first. Help them carry their burden. I'm helping them carry their burden, Matthew. I'm sitting down and complaining about it with them. No, that's not what we're doing. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. All right, so that's the first idea. Speak truthfully and encouraging. All right, here's the next one. You ready? Don't allow irritation to grow. This is Matthew's translation of this particular word, this, this particular verse right here. Paraphrase, not translation. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. And... and I've always struggled with this verse because on one hand, we're told that anger is sinful, but on the other hand, he goes, don't sin in your anger. So if it's sinful, how can I not sin? And then you realize that there is a, God has like a righteous anger, so it can't just be sinful. But he says also, so there's a lot of it that I'm trying to figure out, okay? A lot of it I'm trying to figure out. And so what do I do? I go and look up this word anger. And I'm like, if I can understand what anger he's talking about here, there is an anger in, 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 the, in the Greek language that's like this, um, like this sudden outburst, okay? Like, you've made me mad, you've stepped on my toes, and I'm going to lash out on you. But that's not the word he uses here. We translate them both as anger, and I believe that anger is sinful. But he uses, basically, this word anger is like a slow burn, all right? It's the idea of a slow buildup of provocation is the actual translation. In the South, we say it this way. Don't sit around and stew over it. You know what that means, right? 
someone's done something to you and you go home and you sit down in your chair and you think about it and you think about it and you think about it and the longer you think about it here's another great southern phrase the matter you get and he's saying don't be this way don't allow things in your life don't allow irritations to just go unattended if you're having conflict with someone why does he say in the book of Matthew he goes if you get to the altar and you're ready to ask for your forgiveness he goes and you realize that you've got an issue with a brother he does as a matter of fact he says if you realize a brother has an issue with you not if you have an issue with them you're, you're clean and clear of it but if he's got an issue with you he says you don't worry about your stuff right here before God you go and deal with it don't let the irritation grow. But man, we, we, we do that. And then it comes out, then it comes out in number one. We forget to speak truthfully and encouraging. We do things like, well, I'll tell you what, next time I see them, I'm just going to give them a piece of my mind. You know, and we don't think about that as being a bad thing. It's just, hey, I'm just going to let you know how I, you've hurt my feelings. I'm going to let you know how I think, how I feel. Now, there's nothing wrong with standing up for yourself. There's nothing wrong with being truthful in, in love and grace. But he says, don't go to bed and let these things just stir around in your mind. And then he, what does he say? Don't give the devil a foothold. In other words, don't give him control. Don't let him live, as, as, as I've heard Chris Burleson say a time or two, don't let him re live rent-free in your mind. Don't let him have that space. Don't invite him in and go, hey, come on, come on, come on, Satan. Just, just, I've got, man, I've got this bone to pick with Ron. Let me tell you what, if you would come in here and help me deal with that so that we can put Ron in his place, because you know what? Every time I'm fixing to turn into that school and I could get in before the buses make their run, Ron makes me stop and wait on all the buses, and that just aggravates me to death. It's not Ron. It's another teacher that does that, but Ron's right here. And we stew on it. And we let Satan come in and we let him stew on it with us. He says, instead of doing that, Matthew, you and Ron just sit down and have a conversation. And work it out. Don't go to bed. Don't, don't, don't let those irritations just keep growing and growing. All right. We've got five more minutes. Let's get to this last one. Empty the trash. Empty the trash. I, I wrote this out this morning on this screen, and I thought, hey, I'm going to get an amen from every wife in the building. Empty, just, just empty the trash. Matthew preached it, honey. Go empty the trash. Look at verse 31 and 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. This idea of get rid of, I love, it's, it's, it is that idea of emptying the trash. I'm taking all of these negative things, this bitterness, this rage, this anger, all these bad things in my life, and I'm bagging them up, and I am getting rid of them. I am throwing them away. They are no longer in my life. But the truth is, we don't do that a lot because we live with these things so much in our life, and we're not careful. They just become normal to us. So as I was trying to think of some way to, to equate this to my own life and to make us understand some things. I, I got to thinking about my own kind of journey in my health over the last year or so. 
And, and I, have, I, have, I have had to make some changes in my lifestyle um, to keep myself from having some serious health issues later on down the road, sooner rather than later, with the direction that I was going. And so one of the things that for about six, starting last August, for nearly six months, I did not eat any fast food. And I think that's where the going, going to breakfast at a restaurant kind of started because I would go to Jack's every morning and get breakfast, and that's like 1,500 calories to start your day with, and all of it's deep fried and not good for you, so I was going to go somewhere and get something not healthy from somewhere else, and it would not feel as bad, right? So I'm going to go eat an omelet, which is a lot healthier than a chicken sandwich with bacon and cheese. But I'm putting all these things in my mouth, in my stomach, in my body, and what's it doing? It's slowly what? be real, it's slowly killing me, right? Because of all these unhealthy things that are going in my body. And so I stopped that. I, I quit eating that way. And I remember it as plain as day. There was one, it was a Wednesday night or a Sunday night. It was after church. We had not eaten supper. We get home. Blair's like, I'm going to go to Jack's and get the kids something. Do you want anything? Well, right as I started this journey, Jack's came out with an Alabama white sauce chicken sandwich. Any of you have one of those? It was fried chicken, slaw, white sauce. It was delicious. I had like three of them one day, and they were so good. And But I'd, I'd cut all that out. I'd cut all that out. But that night, I was hungry. I was tired. You know, like, oh, we were all ready to eat. It had just been a long day. She's like, I'm going to Jack's. I'm like, get me one of those sandwiches. I had not eaten like that in six months. You know what that sandwich did? Made me another southern phrase, sick as a dog. Made me sick, y'all. Because I had gotten rid of all of that in my life. But I could eat three of them in one day. I really didn't eat three of them in one day. But I could. And it wouldn't do anything to me. Why? Because my body was just used to all the garbage going in. And if we're not careful, sin's the same way. We can get so used to the sin in our life that it doesn't even bother us. It doesn't even feel like it hurts us. But slowly, one sin at a time, it's killing us. But then when we get rid of it, the same thing happens, right? We get rid of it, and it's gone, and then we get back into it, and, and like we, we get a taste of it, and hopefully it just, it, it just makes us sick because we realize how much better off we are without it. But he says just get rid of it. And then replace it with what? Holy things, good things, right things with kindness and compassion and forgiveness. Because those things don't bring death, those things bring life. And not just physically, more importantly, spiritually. So, got to make it a goal to live right. This is a starting point. This isn't all-inclusive. You're never going to be perfect. And that's okay. God doesn't expect perfection. He expects effort. That's what He wants out of us. Is he wants effort. Every day in our life. Next week, our, our thoughts shift more into the action category. Okay, we've been trying to lay the foundation, understanding what it means to stand in Jesus, understanding the scriptural kind of concepts around this stuff. Next week, we're going to really, really get into more action ideas as we talk about discipleship, as we talk about how we treat each other in this process and encourage each other in this process. So we'll go four more weeks with this study, and that'll bring us right up to Thanksgiving. So I look forward to finishing this study out with you over the next four weeks. Let's close with a word of prayer.
and then have our moment of invitation. God, we thank you for the chance to just be with you this morning. We thank you for the love and the mercy and the grace and the truth that you shower on us every day. Help us to understand, God, that you're calling us to a standard, that once we say, I, I want the gift of forgiveness, I want the gift of salvation, I want the gift of eternal life, that that also comes with a commitment from us. Saying, God, if this is what you're giving me, then I will live the way you ask me to live. Help us to live that way, God. It's not the easiest thing to do sometimes. It's, it's becoming more and more anti-culture. But help us to not be discouraged when the struggle gets real. To just stand firm, to stand with each other, and to proclaim your truth with love and grace every opportunity we have. God, be with those in this room that are struggling with that today that feel like they have fallen flat on their face, and they don't feel worthy, help them to understand that it's not about how they feel, but what, about what you can do with them. Forgive them, God. Give them strength to stand up and continue the journey. God, be with those this morning that have never stepped into a relationship of salvation with you, who have never had their sins washed away, who have never just obeyed your son's simple words of believe and be baptized. Help them, God, to have the Spirit prick their hearts, to touch them, convict them, God, to realize that they're living in bondage outside of a relationship with you, that they're living in a relationship with Satan every single day. Help them see the truth that they need to be set free. Thank you so much for Jesus and his sacrifice. God, it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thou art giving and forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed. Thank you again for joining us, and please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or our podcast. We can be found on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast provider. Also, leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. You can also follow us on Facebook. Lift us to the joy divine. Instagram. Mortals join the mighty chorus. Which and Twitter. The morning stars began. For the love Be sure to join us again. And until then, remember to love like Jesus. To man.